And a happy Monday to you folks. Welcome to a brand new week. And here is a awesome reason to be grateful this week. When you think about comparing yourself to someone else, just ditch it. Just get rid of it. Do not allow that sort of comparative energy into your life because it's so easy to get overwhelmed with jealousy at someone else's success. Entitlement is very attractive, but also can be very destructive too. So if you ever feel like you're bitten by the comparison bug, instead of getting into some sort of linguistical or mental wrestling match about who's better than who and expending energy on that, rather take a step back. Appreciate what your comparison has brought to you, which is an opportunity to be grateful for what you have. Start with the simple things like your health, your relationships, friends, family, and of course, the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. Now, folks, let's go ahead and get this Monday morning going. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Welcome to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spies. That is Sterling, and it is a gorgeous Monday morning here. Uh, Monday. Happy Monday. Better turn your mic levels Hello. up. Hello. Here we go. Hey, welcome, folks. Boy, I tell you, yesterday, Naked Gardening Day. Ooh. Did you get out and do some uh, naked gardening? I did. I did. On, uh, until oh, you did? The, until the police showed up. Oh. Yeah, it was great. Well, you know, I live with about... 18,000 neighbors around me, and it was the first really nice day. So, yeah, apparently that's a thing. That was the uh, alert I got on my phone. I was, <laughs> wasn't sure. I wondered if I knew who that was. The strangest thing was all the neighbors' dogs coming over and sniffing me, you know. He's one of us. <laughs> He's one of us. one of us. One of us. Folks, it is the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spies. That is Sterling. It is events month, and we looked at the calendar, and lo and behold, yesterday was Naked Gardening Day, but we're not going to get into anything like that. (laughs) Kate's Man Cave is not our sponsor this week, although she is a sponsor of the program. No, we're going to talk about all kinds of different things happening. We've got the Williston Basin Petroleum Conference coming up. We've got the Bach and Barbecue coming up. We've got the Shale Energy uh, Shale energy resources trade show with the oci luncheon down in the permian coming up that's a mouthful we've got the industrial forest event coming up let's see what else do we have we've got uh the og directory products and services showcase coming up in august now what's that one that one's in Colorado. Okay. Might want to make it up for that. That might, might be fun. Your wife yeah. will probably want to go to that one rather than Arizona. <laughs> right, yeah. Understand she doesn't like the sun. No, not a big sun fan. Not as much as the mountains. Yes, loves the mountains. And the lake and everything Well, like Colorado, that. man, that's, a, that's not a hard sell. No, it's not. Mm. That's a... Plus, it's half a day drive, so, you know. All kinds of things in Colorado. Mm, yeah. You can hike. You can hike. They've got good music. They've Kayak. got good microbrews. Wyoming's like that, too, of course. Yeah. So it's a busy summer. What I'm hearing in this actually is a lot of good food. And all month long, we're going to be showcasing past, present, and future events. Future. So on Friday, we started it off, actually, a day ahead of time. 
So if you go to thecrudelife.com, you can see from uh, Friday night, we have an interview from Recklands, like W-R-E-C-K. Like wreck it. Wreckage, right? Wreck. Wrecklands. It's a fun uh, word to say, wreck. They were the band that played at the uh, Denver Petroleum's Cajun Creole party. Oh, nice. We had the block party two weeks ago. Well, right. this last week was the Cajun Creole party in Denver, and we had the band on. Nice. Yeah, so we played, you know, had a little music. Uh-huh. And he, they called Friday night. And I went, yeah, we'll, we'll do the interview Friday night, definitely. Yeah, why not? So, Everybody's all jacked up, right? So we got talking a little bit. And uh, they're starting to get their gigs going again. Uh, they're starting to get, they're playing uh, outdoor gigs. Okay. A lot of more weddings, bar mitzvahs. Well, I throw in bar mitzvahs. Sure. After the show, wedding singer. <laughs> Plus, it's a fun word. You got to just say bar mitzvahs. Yeah. You know, weddings, yeah. bar mitzvahs. Castilian, Cotillion events. Graduations. That's yeah, kind of the, right. what would that be? The Do in- they do gender reveals? What's interesting about, if you, let's say you're a, a, you know, let's say you're a band. Okay. I can say that. Interesting how this cycle of life works if you're a band. And I've interviewed enough of these bands to know this, mm-hmm. Okay. Also, leftover salmon. That's where I, I'm going to go with the story. All okay. right, getting back to the life cycle of a band. Okay. Now do you know why I'm, I'm with you? Now I know why you know why I threw it out there so we wouldn't forget. Okay, when a band starts out, they'll play anywhere. Mm-hmm. Okay, they'll play in your living room. Right. Your and children. You your child's have, eight eight year old party. You don't even have to pay them. Right. Right. You can show up. Under the name Mouse Rat, and be announced as Johnny Karate, Johnny and become Karate. the next biggest thing, right? So, and I've been to uh, dive bars mm-hmm. with Blind Joe, who made it in the top eight on NBC's The Voice, and was Blake Shelton's uh, Golden Boy of the season. Really? Okay. okay. I've been in dive bars with Blind Joe, where I was one of three people in the audience. Okay. <laughs> So I've been at the lowest of the low. Is this like dirt floors and chicken wire? This is where you can get a shank in the back of the parking lot going to your car, right? Okay. Fun times, fun times. But that's where you start out, right? And anybody right. playing in band knows this. You know, you, you, you sing for your supper, mm-hmm. if you will, you know, and that would be great. At least you got paid, right? But sure. a lot of people open mic. They start an open mic, right? Okay. That can be dangerous. Well, eventually you get to the, you know, the private party, which is the wedding singer. Mm -hmm. That's like the next rung. Oh, we're getting a paid gig. Right. Well, Sally's getting married. What was in in the office? Uh, uh, Kevin's band. Uh, Synchronicity. Scrantonicity. Scrantonicity. Where where they did police cover songs. Oh, man. And what did he say? They they played, this was a third gig. Right. When they played Pam's wedding or or, Phyllis's wedding. Played Phyllis and Bob Vance's wedding. Right. Bob Vance refrigeration. Well, you got to respect Bob Vance's no. refrigeration, the way the way they even get through it in the wedding. Yeah, you can't front on that. Phyllis, do you take Bob Vance of Bob Vance's refrigeration to be your husband? <laughs> it's like a full name. It's, it's like a brilliant. <laughs> um, it's an honorific. But that's that's the next level where friends and family gigs, yeah. and generally it's a wedding. That's where or, the networking starts. Yeah, right? and then you're doing churches. From, from there, you barbecues. go back to not the dive bar, but the regular bar. 
mm-hmm. that pays you. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you get a, a kind of a, a the one with a cover charge. You get a middle class bar, right. maybe an outdoor gig at yeah. a, a place that has wine on the menu that is an order by color. Ooh, saucy. <laughs> order by color. <laughs> they, they, they got more than just order by color wine, right? So uh, well, we got a dark one. We got a light one. Which one you want? Can you tell I've played a few gigs? Yeah, too? I was going to say okay. you've been to a few of these bars. <laughs> I'm always the guy helping the bands out. Uh-huh. Never the guy on stage. Don't have enough balls. Oh, you're the roadie. Uh, I, I the, the volunteer yeah, roadie, slash right? producer manager. That's called a groupie at that groupie. point. <laughs> okay, so getting back to the next level. Well, then you know you eventually go to the domes and etc. Right. Mm-hmm. Where you go after selling out Wembley Stadium? Where you go after selling Pepsi Field, you know, 100,000 at yep. Madison Square Garden, you know, that yep. type of sellout, yep. right? Is the private gigs for 800 people for $50,000. The right. Microsoft corporate gig, yeah. right? Yeah. That is the pinnacle yeah. of the band. Your corporate offsites. Be- because your name just right. carries you along. It's like locally here. Remember Sanford? That's our yeah. that's our uh, monopoly of mm-hmm. a hospital type of a thing. Yeah. For their employee appreciation party, they brought in train. Wow. Train. Mediocre late nineties rock. Totally. Right on. But this was mid two thousands. Okay. So they were they were yep. you know on the downswing. You know where I see them or saw them was they were uh, probably more known for their wine label at that point. Anyways, <laughs> well, remember like uh, around here we've got the the Moon Dance Jam and those other types of music festivals, which really all focus on like it's Cheap Trick, it's Def Leppard, it's uh, you know it's bands that went from playing hundred thousand person arenas to basically yeah you they're, get, they're 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 getting two million to play for Momar Gaddafi. Do you got 45 minutes to an hour in you? Okay. Come yep. on to our music festival right. because all you need to do is play eight hits and you're good. And they're playing for, you know, people that are 50, 60 years old. That's what they want to hear. That's cool. That's cool, man. That's no problem it's with geriatric that. geriatric Woodstock. So where do we even get off on You this wanted song? to get back to leftover, leftover salmon. But getting back to the, um, the coup de gras is when you start, you're dying to play any wedding bar mitzvah possible. And once you play the 100,000 arena, you're dying to play any wedding or bar mitzvah again. <laughs> but this one, you're getting paid 50 grand for, right. for 10 minutes of work, whereas the other one, you're paying them, right? Right, so right. That's, that's, that's where it's, it comes full circle in the life of a band. Maybe singing the uh, national anthem at the Super Bowl, although I've read that's not they don't pay you for that. It's basically an... It's an honor. So here I have on Reckland, you know, the Recklands. Reckland. Who played the uh, Denver Petroleum Club's Creel Cajun Party this last weekend, where they had three sittings, otherwise known as seatings. Tomato, tomato, potato, potato. <laughs> ESG potatoes at the Bakken Barbecue. That's Look at right. that plug. Yeah, right. not MSG, as was incorrectly reported earlier. Should we have MSG or ones? It, and, and I'm sorry to the emailer, but no, no LSD ones as well. <laughs> Could you imagine an LSD saturated potato? I can. Those would go very fast. <laughs> Those would go extremely fast. Oh, man. Well, we are talking about Colorado. So. Right, right. <laughs> uh, so we're talking about the interview a little bit, and I quick pull up their website to take a look, you know, this and that. Well, then I see where they, uh, no, what was it? I asked them if they were playing the uh, 
festival the that I go to every year, Hippie Fest. What is it? Bohemian West Fest. It's in Fort Collins. Oh, Bohemian. Jesus. Yeah, Bohemian West Fest. It's a great festival. Wear it on your shirt. So they shut down downtown Fort Collins, right? Mm-hmm. And they have six stages, and it's like 80 local Colorado bands. Nice. Like a, few, a handful from Wyoming, right? Mm-hmm. But it's primarily just the economic boom for the artists because they got food trucks downtown. They've got all kinds of drink and food specials mm-hmm. with outdoor patios going. Plus they've got the artists that's got tents selling things and it's free. Right. And like the, I was talking with the, the gentleman from uh, Recklands is that I spent like 300 bucks on t-shirts and, and just crap. That right. I, I would not memorabilia. I would not have bought though if I had to pay five or ten dollars to get in five of a cover charge. Yeah. And he totally knew what I was talking yeah. about. And he says he hears that all the time. That mm-hmm. the fact that you're just bringing people in for free, they feel inspired to now help out yeah. musicians, yeah. right? Yeah. And and that's exactly what it was like. But so I asked him about uh, the the you know Bohemian West Fest which I call Hippie Fest that's actually a better name for it because totally. Bohemian's just a little bit of snoot snoot sniffy sniff it is a great time that's where the outdoor paella guy is okay yeah he takes up like like I don't know 50 feet by 50 feet of just paella and he's got a line six wow. miles long right <laughs> uh, oh he's got he's got four big Do outdoor big drums yeah. of authentic way to make paella with wood burning wow so I mean you've got 50 barbecue's got nothing on this scent right let me tell you it brings them in for miles oh totally I mean because you got the scent of barbecue but mm-hmm. then you got the scent of paella with saffron yep. oh just, you got that oh, scent just, of wood smoke and uh, yeah Anywho, so I mentioned how I said, oh, this leftover salmon and it's a band, right? And, oh, so it's a uh, band name. That's a big influencer of theirs because okay. they're Americana kind of bluegrass. All right. And I mentioned how I uh, interviewed a band leftover salmon. Well, they know the guy really well. Mm-hmm. He's like one of the bass guys or something. I can't remember. They have some connection where either the bass Side guy project plays or something. in their band yeah. or whatever it was. Like he's a brother of a bass guy. Or Isn't that something. the way it works with music groups? A lot of commingling a lot of times. And so I'm like, well, yeah, make sure you tell them hi. If, uh, if they've ever been to Fargo, I did interview them because I go, you don't forget a name like nope. Leftover Salmon. Nope. That's probably, that's a good reason to choose a name like that. Without a Maybe doubt. Maybe the only reason. And I go, have they been around for about five, 10 years? He's like, oh yeah, 20 some years. They're a staple around oh, wow. here. I'm like, yeah, then I have interviewed them. Yep, so. okay. But it's interesting how my worlds keep coming back. Mm-hmm. Keep cycling back, cycling back. The so. wheel, man. And I see that you've got uh, Harry the Dirty Dog out for yeah, our I'm next doing a, segment. Yeah, I'm doing a little heavy reading over here, you know. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in the next segment. That's another full circle that we've had where I did an article in the Bismarck Tribune my first year as a um, multimedia journalist in the oil industry. And I didn't get some good response on that, by the way. And some I, critiquing. I, I brought in Harry the Dirty Dog, which is a weekly reader book. I wondered how so many people knew about that. So that's like the original Dolly Parton book thing, yeah. the weekly reader book. Okay, that was, that, that was probably pre-Nancy Reagan even. Oh, yeah. This was written in the 50s, man. Oh. Yeah, we're talking like 56. No. Yeah. Copyright 56, 1956. Who? By Ed Bagley Jr.? No, Who wrote by that? Harry the Dirty Dog. By Eugene Zion. Yep. And Margaret Bloy Graham. 
it's one of those books, you know, that, that our parents had growing up. Another event we have coming up, of course, is the Aramco Bratz Labor Day. We're trying to get our Labor schedules clear for that. Yeah. And that, of course, is uh, Saudi Ramco. Yep. Saudi Ramco. People that lived there, grew up there, worked there, or, you know, a lot of cases, just the kids of people that worked there. Dahran. And uh, I got an email today from a gentleman who's going to be on the show later this week. We're trying to get it worked out. Uh, Tom Shepstone of Natural Gas Now. Okay. Uh, he might be interested in interviewing you. Uh-oh. About your upbringing in Dahran. My experiences overseas. I think you're starting to, uh, people are starting to realize that um, um, your background has some value out there. <laughs> well, you know, I am not unique. As, as unique of an experience as I had, when you realize how many Aramco brats there are and have been over the last 70 years, there's like a whole subculture of people that grew up, you know, not just in Saudi Arabia. They, they worked in oil in Indonesia. They worked in oil in Africa. They worked in oil, you know, in Istanbul or Turkey or something like that. So, How many kids did you graduate with? Whatever your quote unquote graduate Ninth class grade was when they yeah. graduated yeah. you. Yeah. So there was, uh, I want to say there was about 130 of us or so. Are you kidding me? Yeah. No. Oh, I thought it'd be like eight. No, no, it was good. No, I mean, it was like fifteen, sixteen thousand people living on that compound at that time. Okay, so, so you were you were it was a thousand twenty thousand. Yeah, it was a. You know, I don't know what would be comparable around here, but it would be like, uh, like Fergus Falls, Fergus Falls, yeah, or Alexandria, or someplace. Trying to think fifteen thousand. Like, like, yeah, trying to think maybe like Dickinson, Watford. Picture it maybe. like one of those size cities with a nine foot barbed wire topped fence around it. <laughs> I'm not sure if that was to keep us in or to keep things out. And you had schools and... Yeah, yeah, they had K through ninth grade there. Mm-hmm. The only thing they didn't have there was bars. Because alcohol is illegal. Okay. Um, out of those 130-some kids, mm-hmm. 138... Might have even been more. Might have been 150, we'll round up. Okay, sure. What the heck? What the heck? We're controlling our voice. <laughs> I want it to be more. Out of the 150 kids you graduated with in Dahran, how many would you say work in oil and gas? Well, uh, the ones that I've still kept in touch with, um, I'd say about a half dozen or so people I know that are somewhat now connected back to Aramco. Not necessarily directly through oil and gas, but the things that you had in Dahran. I know uh, one guy's working there now uh, at the radio division, and he does TV, you know, because they have their own... Like what we're doing? Yeah, well, Aramco, Aramco had its own radio talent. station, and it had its own TV station. Are and you they had, real? Yeah, they had their own broadcasting equipment. They, it was Channel 3 was what we had, and it was, you know, from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. broadcasting every day. What kind of news was it? No news. Well, if, if it was any news, it was box news. It was BBC or Sky News from England. Okay. You know. Uh, it wasn't American news. No, not generally. Not until the first Gulf War. Then we okay, got CNN. So what kinda, okay, so it had its own Radio and yep. television station. Yeah, okay. Yeah. In fact, one of my friend's mom worked at censoring the TV shows that came over. Oh. So that was her job was to censor shows like Cheers and Night Court and, you know, uh, Hill Street Blues. I'm, I'm dating myself, but these were the shows that were on back then. Um, she also worked for, we had a theater and they heavily censored those movies too. 
I'm surprised we got Cheers, you know, honestly. I know. I, I mean, just how do you cut that. around the fact that it's shot entirely in a bar? <laughs> Without a doubt. I was just thinking, so what, what was Cheers? Basically just a show of the opening sign? No, but you know, the funny thing about Cheers is Will that they rarely they actually it. showed anybody drinking okay. in the show. And so I think that was the way they just cut around it. Well, when I thought of that, uh, Norm just came to mind. Mm-hmm. Every now and then when he'd do a joke. Yep. Norm, a lot of times, would just he he lifted up. Or, yeah, he would do this kind of motion of yeah. like almost like he knew he was going to be edited. So they did a second or two of basically edit time, so that it was a lot more <laughs> seamless. You know, and interesting little factoid I think from a bathroom reader uh, was that the it was real beer on set, but it was warm. And so nobody liked to drink it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did read that. <laughs> you know, it yeah. was basically, it was just like tap, warm, fizzless beer. So so Will and Grace then was just Karen? Just Karen, which yeah. honestly, if you've ever seen Will and Grace, Karen was the best part of right. that show. Right, so that show was yeah. successful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Friends was just... I was, that was after my time. complaining on That couch. was after my time. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, like magazines, all that kind of stuff, People Magazine would come in either with pages missing or big black Sharpie marker. It would be just a woman's head and a black blob of because she was wearing a bathing suit. So know. they would Sharpie the you Can you imagine the out? guy? I'm sure they've got a different process now, but you can imagine the guy or series of men that had to sit in a room and that's all they did was, I mean, thousands of copies of People Magazine coming into the country. Could you imagine how many different times they, like, would, would just Oh, kickbacks, and that yeah. job must have been sweet. I, I was just thinking, going, what you could get for a Sports Illustrated yeah. swimsuit uh, edition I don't even think, I don't think they even. Day? I don't think that one was even, even in coming That's into the I'm country. That's what I'm saying. They would grab it, yep. and, you know, it's kind of like when the American cops mm-hmm. confiscate your beer. Do they take it home? Right. Do they, do they go back and do they drink it yeah, back? Or, or do they, they pour it into the sink? They, Come they on. tell you they pour it out. Right, Do they right. really yeah. do that? That seems like a waste of beer, Because if they man. did, I would be disappointed. Right. I would be Somebody like, needs to enjoy that. <laughs> so you okay, you didn't have news, so you didn't have like nightly news where they we, came you know, out and said uh, that. Uh, you, you know, tonight's news is you've had enough to eat. <laughs> I think actually right at the end of the program, so like at nine o'clock at night or something, I think there was a, you know, local news, country, regional news, but it was heavily, you know, it's state controlled. Okay, you know. so there was that kind of uh, uh, Saudi Arabia news, not yeah, just like yeah, Dahran. There like, was a uh, Dahran newspaper, and then there was an, a, an English-speaking newspaper that was, you know, I think a daily. But again, you would get, it was mostly Reuters and AP, yeah. and, and that was heavily edited, too. I couldn't imagine you'd want too much crime being reported no. in the compound. No. I mean, even if it did happen, you, you, you'd almost be like, no, no, we don't. We want people to feel safe. The only time I ever heard about crime, it, it took on mythical status in Dahran. You know, it would be this crazy event. It would be jaded lovers. It would be, you know, it'd be something well, really yeah. unusual because it just didn't happen. Yeah, the husband's on a two-week hitch and the neighbor's not. That's that. Hey, the milkman has been a joke for a long time. What is it now? It's the Amazon delivery guy, right? That's the joke now, right? Well, he's, maybe he's, that's why they're switching to drones. <laughs> Would you like to come in, Mr. Flying Copter? Right. <laughs> Boy, that's a whole new... Yeah. Weren't we whole, talking about leftover fish or something? <laughs> smoked salmon. <laughs> Well, it's leftover salmon. Leftovers, yeah. I I'd it's, try to it's probably more of a dried-out variety now. 
<laughs> well, we'll have all kinds of stories about Dahran and and new international connections because mm-hmm. you've got people that are you know obviously doing international business. Yeah, and a large majority of Aramco brats live in Texas. So, folks, I, here's why I'm telling you this is that if we keep going the way we're going, there's only going to be probably about a dozen companies on the planet that are doing the majority of the work, and Dahran ain't going anywhere. I'm sorry, um, Aramco ain't going anywhere. No, no. I mean, they're just going to sell 1% of their shares to, like, China or Russia or some other secret. Bi- have you heard yet who the secret? I have not, but I, I haven't haven't seen anything come the up. The secret buyer yeah. is? Yeah, I know it's not me. Was it you? Nope. Did you nope. make a bid on that 1%? I bet it was Elon Musk. Actually... Seriously, what if it was something? I'm starting like to that? wonder when one of these guys is going to go full on Doctor Evil. I mean, seriously, you remember uh, la- the last year or two? Well, now you've got my attention. Musk has been launching uh, this what they call a string of pearls. It's it's a group of satellites that have been launching. I told you about yeah. it. a couple months ago. I was standing outside and I saw a satellite, and then I saw about 15 more right behind it in sequence. So they've been launching them, and then as they disperse slowly, right, they're doing their thing. So I'm like, okay, come on, James Bond. He's putting up satellites. It's either going to be to take over the internet or they're laser cannons. I mean, come on, right? Elon Musk has got that Dr. Evil inside of him, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. I, you know, if you're that rich... Where you think you're doing so much good, you do evil, right? Yeah. Isn't that... that, that that's one of the, that's one of the supervillains, right? Well, and that's the biggest case against what people mistakenly call communism or socialism, is the idea that a small group or one person can decide... Well, this is for the best because everybody gets taken care of then. One of, you know, you bring up communism. Yeah. One of the things about communism that I find interesting in today's day and age is a big part of communism at its root is essential workers. Mm-hmm. About identifying essential workers. Yeah. Interesting what we've just gone through in the last right yeah two years identifying essential workers but it's almost like they're identifying not the essential trades Mm -hmm. which is what they identified before yeah no it's actually the essential workers like the people they want to do the work right and no matter how they do the work it doesn't matter that's who they want to do the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Do you see what I mean? It's yeah. like, it doesn't matter if they're good or bad. Mm-hmm. We like the fact that they're not going to talk back. They're a yes man. They do what we say. Yep. So as long as they can do 50% of what we ask and it doesn't piss us off, keep funding them. Yeah. That almost seems like the way the government's going more than more than it's essential like, worker, the old school communism. Yeah. It's like communism 2.0. Ha. Well, I was going to say communism is pretty quaint nowadays, but yeah, man, I, you could see it happen because it, the government is basically trying to do what big business was doing before unions really became a thing. You know, and that's the problem is that nowadays is that essential workers are everything from doctors to first responders to the Starbucks barista, barista. right? This last year taught us that essential workers are the Walmart minimum wage employees, and so, and they, and you're right. We like them in that place doing that job but, for but shit money. Those are replaceable essential workers. Yeah, but th- that's the thing is, it's like to me, I'm talking about the ones disposable that, is more these appropriate. are the non disposable ones yeah. in the the owners of the planet. You know, the elite, if you will, the people that are controlling everything. Right, mm-hmm. the uh, appointed leaders. That's what I always say the appointed leaders because the elected leaders they can get voted out. 
But if a new person gets voted in and they appoint the same person, mm-hmm. well, that person, it's, there's, Just a, strat- there's that. a strategy behind that. It's, yeah. a, it's like when uh, Cheney and Bush were in office. Everybody's like, oh, Cheney's really the president. Bush is just, uh, yeah. I always called him the gesture. He just yeah. made us laugh for eight years right. while Dick Cheney just ran he the show. He rewrote the English language. And, yeah. <laughs> Come on. George Bush W. W. First of all, W. You got to call him W. It, it makes you kind of crack a smile and laugh. Mm-hmm. Second, he said to the Pope, after the Pope spoke, that was awesome. Yeah. Okay. And then after the Chinese prime minister, he opens the wrong door that's locked. I mean, <laughs> I'm telling you, if, 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 if you're going to get existential and you're going to talk about, you know, the owners of the yeah. planet, yeah. well, then you got to say, well, then it's a kingdom and they set us the gesture for eight years. You know, you can say a lot of things about that. Even had a cartoon on Comedy Central. I was going to say, but, but the guy never put on airs. The guy is incapable of... In my opinion, George W. Bush is incapable of seeming superior. The way, here's what I know. I never felt like he felt like he was superior. Anybody that I ever knew that met him, and when I watched interviews with like Stephen Colbert Mm -hmm. or Jon Stewart or, you know, people that would go like toe to toe with him a lot of times and make fun of him, the monologues, Mm -hmm. they would talk about how genuinely nice of a man he is. Yeah. That what you say, just what you see is totally what you get. Exactly. That's what I mean. I think they just set out the gesture. Well, you know, it's telling to me, whatever your political background, that George W. Bush and Michelle Obama have become incredibly close friends. And when you see them in public together, they're always joking. They're laughing. I don't understand where that, how that happened. Apparently, they just, during uh, the transition, they just struck up a friendship. So when I look at that, I'm like, that's that's pretty cool. There must be there's got to be good things on both sides if they're able to get along and have a great relationship. I'd like to see more of that kind of stuff. She has like what, 15 foster kids or something? I don't know. She's got a ton. No, yeah. she does. She's more than 10, I think. Really? Yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. Yeah, she's she's done a lot her and her husband um with um foster children. Of course, she's out of Minnesota. Yeah. Michelle Bachman, right? Yeah, I think she so. Was. Yeah. And probably still is, but mm-hmm. she's not still in politics, is she? No, Michelle Bachman, no. She uh Oh, she's making half a mil on speaking circuits. I she think she's doing mostly candidate. I think she's doing mostly speaker stuff. Well, that's yeah. why a lot of them do it. Is once they allowed the seven the the, the, the seven act circus, yeah. once they allowed that, the seven act circus, that allowed for and they they figured this out with Ben Carson and um what's his nuts? Uh the other guy. <laughs> Papa John's guy. Oh yeah. Papa John. Yeah. Herman Cain. Oh, oh, they're, oh! Geez. Because their their speaking rates went up exponentially. Oh yeah, it went from like fifty to two hundred and fifty. Yep, and you get the book deals. Well, you talk about yep. what the music thing is that that's that pinnacle. You've played right. the stadium. You've been on the national stage. Now you get the elite stuff. Communism is a red herring. What was the deal with that? There was gas shortages and, jeez, man. You know, the problem with communism. Food lines. Yeah. Was there food lines? There was. Well, there was. Um, when I visited the Soviet Union in 1989, we were taken to st- shops that were only for international and upper class party members. So it'd be like what you would consider a Walmart or a Target, right? Everybody else basically queued up and they got what they got if the company that was selling bread said hey we got buns today there was a line until the buns were gone 
and tomorrow they might have rolls and that kind of thing. And they would get basically bread, cheese, butter. Not even butter. It was imitation. I remember uh, it was about a year. It was a year that we went there. Uh, the McDonald's, the first McDonald's, the first Western fast food restaurant of any kind opened up in Moscow. And, uh, you know, it was super expensive if you lived there. But it was, you know, it was a craze. It was miles of lines. I remember a guy did a study, a, a journalist in Russia back in the day where he, he just stood on a corner next to a door and waited. And eventually somebody else stood behind him. And eventually somebody else stood behind him. And after an hour, he had a whole line of people. They didn't know what they were queuing up for, but they knew people were in line for something, so they better get in line. Business idea. Business idea. Okay, we're talking about how, you know, there's a lot of people out there that think we're going down the communist China path. You know, right. Have you seen this? It's oh, just yeah. like, there's all kinds. It's, like, it's a freak out, man. Stum- coming up out of nowhere. So, yeah, hey, let's two years ago it was terrorism. Now it's communism. And you, you've seen it firsthand. You yep. traveled there. You've seen it firsthand. Okay, I'm still in the entrepreneur mindset. I'm not giving up on good old fashioned Americana, good old fashioned USA. Here's what I'm going to do. Are you okay, ready for this? I'm ready. I'm going to open up a building and I'm going to put up a sign. And on this sign, knowing that we already have bread lines, we already have soup lines. Mm-hmm. And I know what happened in, in communist China, and I know what happened in communist Russia is they have all kinds of food lines, right? Well, I also know people like music. So on the sign up front, it's just going to say, Leftover Salmon. <laughs> it was a bloody merry morning, blue eyes cried the rain. I took the last train to Georgia, standing in the rain. I woke up on a diesel track outside of New Orleans. My poncho left me, and I didn't know what to say. Becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by Chewy Paws, all natural elk, deer, moose, and caribou antler chews for dogs. USA sourced premium quality and no preservatives. They love what we do in oil and gas, and all profits go to the dogs. That's Chewy Paws. Check out their website, chewypaws.com. That's chewypaws with a Z.com. The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. It's sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. 
It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Welcome back to the Play Hard, Work Hard Morning Show. My name is Jason Spies. That is Sterling. He's in line for his leftover salmon. You like that one, huh? Oh, man. And I don't like seafood to begin with. Every time I drive down Main Avenue, there's, there's this bar on Main Avenue, and I never know if it's the lunch special or a band. You know, I mean... I mean, meatloaf, it's an obvious that, one, but right. then all of a sudden, you know, you drive by the next day, scallop potatoes, yeah, you're like, whoa, is yeah, that the new band? Or? Yeah, it's the new hot ham and cheese, man, they're playing tonight, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, so at what point does Pie that- Thursday, what does, does that mean? Does your cool band name become a, a negative marketing thing, right? Right, where people Works are- Works against you. People are showing up with food stamps yeah. and- uh, Yeah, do you take checks or- All kinds of different things, Yeah. <laughs> What kind of wine will you be pairing tonight with leftover salmon? <laughs> I'm thinking they should open a sushi truck. You know, it's day-old sushi. Who is going to have <laughs> the cojones <laughs> to open up a sushi truck? Huh? Oh, man. Especially this far inland. <laughs> well, that would be real right? big. Well, Actually, that's, that's some the of the whole best, leftover salmon part. It's some of the best sushi you aged. can find in North Dakota is from a dodgy van outside of the Kmart in Bismarck, North Dakota. Really? Oh, no kidding. <laughs> it is like some of the freshest seafood you can have. And that bothers me. It, me too. That really, yeah, that's disturbing. Because he's less than an hour from the geographical center right. of North America. Right, okay. yeah. <laughs> like when I lived in Reno, Nevada, they would fly that stuff in every day to the casinos. That made sense. The guy in the van outside of the Kmart? Eh. Dodgy van. Dodgy. Dodgy van. Like Dodge brand? Or, oh, no, you know, dodgy just, as in like... Is it like, an, like a 1970s brown van that has spray painted on the side, free candy? <laughs> he dressed up like a clown and it was all good. It was all good. Checking all the boxes, man. You helped him, helped him move that love seat into the back of his van. We should probably get to our news <laughs> segment here before we get too far off. Too far off the course. Well, this is interesting. This showed up this morning in my feed. This is from The Hill. Oh. And uh, yeah. there's a new study a that explains why nearly 20% of electric car owners return to gas. Okay, Okay. first of all, this is from The Hill. The Hill. Okay, and what was the headline? The headline is, New Study Explains Why Nearly 20% of Electric Car Owners Return to Gas. Interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. Okay. Electric car owners are 18% likely to return to gas-powered cars, a new study shows. Researchers at the University of California, Davis, say that more than 4,000 households who own or previously owned electric vehicles in California went back to gas and diesel cars. 
Owners were 20% more likely to go back to gas-powered cars me. if they'd owned a hybrid uh, plug-in. Pause, pause. <laughs> Push pause. You got that? Nope. Do you know where you're at? Yep. Diesel? Diesel, baby. Gas and diesel? Roll the coal. Not gas and hybrid. No. No, in fact... Gas and diesel. Hybrids were... 20% more likely to get rid of it. So 2% more. Oh, for real? Than, yeah, that's that. So standard electric cars, 18%. Hybrid, 20% more likely. Th- that surprised They're me. just tired of a pain in the ass. I don't know. Okay, that well, the hybrid makes sense to me because mm-hmm. I think you can go, I mean, they, they got like flex fuels and you can, you know, it's right. like a backup. It's, it's like an electric starter. But it's like it, a backup, right, you know? Yeah. And so... Well, you you run the elect you, you run the car till the electric runs out, and then you go gas or whatever. Okay. So, um, but diesel, how do you go from an electric car to diesel? It's efficiency. <laughs> it, I mean that seriously, diesel is one of the best, as I understand it, one of the best fuel types we've ever had. It's stable. I thought the whole reason somebody went with an electric car was for altruism and for the environment and all these different. That's why I'm saying to go to diesel, boy, that's a tough sell at the Ed Bagley Jr. fundraiser. <laughs> Although he got rid of his Tesla. He did? Yeah, he did. He's one of the percentages that Yeah. He's the guy that drove around in a garbage-powered car for a while. I thought it was just powered off of his good intentions. Well, he was yeah. the original Greta. Yeah, very much so. Right? Yeah. As far as, as far as, at least during the 80s? Yeah. Uh, he was known well, as hey. the crazy environmentalist. And see, he seemed legit 90s. to me because I remember him as a doctor in St. Elsewhere. So Is that where he was famous that's from? That's what I remembered him. Yeah. Uh, I knew him from Better Call Saul. He, he played, Oh, that's right. He played the uh, attorney that hired Saul Goodman. That's right. Yeah. And then fired him. Yeah. He, he plays a pretty good jerk in his older age. Yeah, he does. But he's, he's also... He walked the walk mm-hmm. as far as environmentalists go, didn't he? Like, like I said, I'm being totally serious. No, did, I think he did. I mean, that, that was what he was mocked. Powered car. Yeah, he was yeah. roundly mocked for you know solar power stuff. Yeah, all, yeah. yeah, like he was the extremist. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. okay. Yeah, a good twenty years before that became fashionable. It just surprises me that they would go to gas and diesel versus gas and hybrid. So, boy, that tells me that they either. They're no longer concerned about the environment, or they're more concerned about money, or they need durability. It, what it sounds like is it comes down to they showed that the discontinuance, as they called it, is related to dissatisfaction with the convenience of charging, having other vehicles in the household that are less efficient, not having level two, that's a 240, uh, 240 volt charging station at home, and having fewer household vehicles and not being male. Well, that's a lot of different factors in there but the one that makes the most sense to me is convenience charging because we've talked about our musk math and our road trip right now i did a little bit just as a quick sidebar i did a little bit of research actually if we wanted to go from here to texas it seems like the most charging stations that currently exist are pretty much in our path yeah, I did take a look at it's that. It's interesting. Supercharging stations. Uh-huh, this, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, for me, it comes down to infrastructure and cost. I, I would be glad to buy a hybrid or electric car to help the environment if I could afford it. And it would actually serve the job that I needed to do, which is several hundred miles a day without three to four hours to stop and charge. So I'm still not convinced that the electric cars are better for the environment yet. Charging is the biggest so, hurdle, is what the researchers suggest. I'm I'm cool with the fact if you they want to put them out into the marketplace and see how they go because mm-hmm. I'm I'm that I'm fine with. Uh, I'm not okay with conceding that they're 
better for the environment yet. Just because, you know, I listen, folks, I grew up in Minnesota, okay, in North Dakota. And in Minnesota especially, we've got 10,000 lakes, so we're very conscious about a number of different things. And we got things called taconite mines, and we've got things called iron ore. And in South Dakota, the same thing, where they came into the Black Hills. And in, in Leeds, South Dakota, they still got the big giant holes there from where they dug out the rare earth minerals. Yeah, okay, plutonium, so, or uh, wasn't it? In where South Dakota? Yeah, there was a lot of. Uh, I mean, there was gold, gold. And there was, but there was also, I think, there was uh, plutonium. Oh, maybe. maybe. Very well, could yeah. be. I know in in Wyoming they have it, so it would make sense. Yeah. So I'm I'm very familiar with this. That's why I'm I'm not ready to say, oh, electric cars are better, and then. It, after the uh, ex- explosion or the crash, yeah, that one last week, that reminded me that when they catch on fire, oh my goodness, that fire just keeps going, and they can't put it out with water, and they can't put it out with sand. It just keeps going and going, and then they take it off, and it's still smoldering. It's the little, it's the little things. It's the hidden costs that I wonder about. It's like how much, how much of a carbon footprint, quote quote, do you have to produce one Tesla? versus the gas powered equivalent right because there's a lot of rare earth minerals and materials that go into the construction of these electric vehicles so there's you know it's just it's just moving the bottleneck down i I, i'm just not sold on the battery i'm just not sold on the battery yet um just not it's not there technologically it's not there yet not not for not for the way that America travels, at least not on right. the scale that they're hoping for by 2050. So, I mean, what was it? The car companies by 2030 are going to stop producing gas something vehicles. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, That's going to change. It's great. Whatever. But I don't know. I, I look at this and it just surprises me that they're going back to the gas and the diesel. That almost seems like out of necessity or spite. I mean, almost like F you electric car. I'm getting me a diesel. You know, I think a lot of it does come down to convenience and practicality. You know, they mention here that in California, a lot of the problem stems from the houses, you know, themselves not being optimized to deliver that. So basically what you need is the same type of outlet that you would have for your uh, dryer, right? Or your arc welder or your compressor in your garage. Not enough people have that hookup. I'm going to give you another one. You ready for this? I'm ready. Hit me. If you're putting a battery together. Mm Mm-hmm. Of all kinds of different rare earth minerals, all kinds of different parts and components, mm-hmm. etc. Right? That is a lot more advanced and a lot more different than a regular battery. That's you know, in Breaking Bad, Walter White made one in the middle of the desert. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yeah, I do. So a battery for a gas-powered car, pretty easy. All right. It's one of the advantages of internal combustion. You mentioned the hidden cost. Well, right now, our government is putting all kinds of taxes on the food chain right now. Mm-hmm. Okay? I mean, you can't, it's no secret. You go to the store, food costs have gone up. Lumber. Lumber's almost tripled, quadrupled in price. Yeah. That's what worries me. When, when you start talking about the old school, kind of the Henry Ford car, that dude made like the whole car in one factory. Yeah. There wasn't much other other stuff going into it, so yeah. it was affordable. Yeah. You start bringing in 37 different companies to do the job that one other person used to do. Now it 
is it even affordable anymore? Oh, yeah, totally, man. I mean, shoot, you look, I remember an example given to me by a teacher uh, where it was economics and he held up, uh, I think it was a can of shaving cream and we read the ingredients off of it. And then it was a, a thing of vanilla extract and we read the ingredients off that. And then he had us figure out all the different, the number of countries, it was like 12 different countries had to supply the materials in order to make that product, right? And so it was, it was a study in like logistics and supply chains and sure. things of that nature. And it was, that really opened my eyes. It's one of those things you know about, but you don't think about as much is how much goes into the production of that one thing. So that's what I'm saying is that there's going to be a lot of different hidden costs there, mm -hmm. especially if the carbon tax comes into play. Right. Because now, well, the, the difference is, is that when, you know, a half a dozen people create an engine and a battery versus 37 people with 12 countries, mm -hmm. it's night and day for cost. Night and day for cost. We're yeah. talking about 50 cents versus $40. That's what worries me is that we're going down that path of $40 instead of going back to the 50 cent, yeah. you know? Yeah, and it, yeah, it's it's only going to get more expensive. And the cynical part of me looks at this and go, okay, so what you're doing is essentially going to squeeze out the vast majority of the populace and force them to take probably public transport of some kind. Yeah, right? Back to essential because worker you talk Because again. you can't afford to have that vehicle. Yep. Or, and or you do the cigarette model where you drive up the cost of a pack of cigarettes, where in Minnesota, it's almost $9, right? In some states, I think it's closer to $10 or $12 yeah. per pack. Mm -hmm. um, New York, it's close to 15 And that is, that's a, that's a very cynical deterrent because they know they're going to make money off mm -hmm. that because they know smokers are going to pay, just like a drug addict, because we're addicted, we're going to pay It's kind of like if Karl Marx became a capitalist. God, capitalist Marx. Dude, that's like a Frankenstein monster. That would be trippy, like laser eyes. and. That's the movie we got to write. <sighs> capitalist Marx. There it is. Oh, we got a visitor. Coco's out there. <laughs> Frackleberry. Is that Coco? That's Coco. Okay. All right, we got another news item here? Yeah, here, we got, we're going to pick on California a little bit more. <laughs> so check this out. This is from the LA Times, man. California, here's the headline. California just hit 95% renewable energy. Will other states come along for the ride? Sounds pretty awesome, doesn't it? California just hit 95%. Yep. Okay. I'll say it again. 95% renewables for all the time we spend talking about how to reach 100% clean power. It sometimes seems like a faraway proposition. Whether the time frame is California's 2045 target or President Biden's more aggressive 2035 goal. But on Saturday, just before 2.30 p.m., one of the world's largest economies came within a stone's throw of getting there. There are several caveats. For one thing, Saturday's 94.5% figure, a record, uh, was fleeting, lasting just four seconds. It was specific to the state's main power grid. Whoa, we, whoa, whoa. Pause. <laughs> oh, but this gets better. Oh, but can okay. we, we pause for yeah, just a second? Okay. <laughs> I don't even know if we got back four to the other seconds. place I paused it or not. <laughs> yeah, we did. Right, four seconds. Four <laughs> seconds. No, folks, we're not talking about my date last weekend. No, we're not talking about that. <laughs> we're not talking about Sterling's... Wedding anniversary, no. <laughs> we're talking about California's 95% renewable. Is that right? Yeah, 94.5. Well, we'll, yeah, we'll round up. We'll round up. We're hey, generous. I'm, I'm in a good mood today. You're in a good mood. Yeah. I made it six seconds. <laughs> <laughs> what do we got now? So four seconds. Four seconds got what headline? 
This is the beauty. Right. Am I, am I following California this California right? just hit 95% renewable energy while other states come along for the ride. Okay. So instead of saying California just hit 95% renewable for four seconds. Yeah. That's kind of where I was going They took out the four seconds yeah. and said, will other states come up? Yeah. Look at what they did Call there. to action, man. Look at what, who did this? This is the LA Times. LA Times. Yep. Okay. Liberal media. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. No, this is an example of... I, no, this is not liberal media. This is controlled propaganda media. And I'll give you, I'll give you an example right here as we're reading it in the headline. In real time. The headline. Go back to the headline. Oh, he's going to make me read the headline again. Put the again. paywall down. Here's, okay. the, here's the five bucks. You need my credit card? Uh, California just hit for, 95% for renewable this, energy. For this story, I'll, I'll pay for the $5. I'm not giving paywall. LA Times five bucks. Okay, that's a good point. Okay. <laughs> okay, do the back end. And Will do, other states go, go come along? Go to the Google the, search. Right, I'll do, do back end. Dark go back to the headline. Go back to the headline. Okay. California hits 95% renewable energy. Bum, bum, bum. Okay. Um, the rest of the sentence is for four seconds, right? Yeah. Am I? Is that what the rest of the story is? Yeah, okay. except it says ninety four point five in the sentence. But we're being instead generous. of doing fact mm-hmm. and letting people know, which isn't bad. Hey, ninety five percent for four seconds—that says hope, right? Mm-hmm. That says hope. Yeah. Look at what they did. They shamed instead. This is what pisses me off. Yeah. Yeah. They took away hope and they put in negativity and shame. Yeah. Will other states follow? Mm-hmm. How much did the blackouts cost? Exactly. Is that included in there? Well, I can't tell. Is I, that even mentioned? I don't think so. So to get to 95% for four seconds, do you need to have three weeks of blackouts? <laughs> do you need to have a couple wildfires? Apparently, you do have to have essentially a blue moon's worth of convenience or coincidence you need to have a slice of orange you've got to have come on that was funny a slice of <laughs> you didn't get that i didn't, Go on. That didn't right. hit me sorry that didn't hit me at first so apparently it was only the state's main power grid which covers four-fifths of california but doesn't include check this la sacramento and several other so regions. it's not even the entire state right, right. and it's not the, the big power draws. okay it, but in the headline it, it, it doesn't say half no, it of says california, california. It doesn't say a quarter of california mm-hmm. No. In fact, it takes out, again, it took out more fact to put in more speculative, shaming negativity. Oh, this is really ticking me I off. I knew you were going to like this Keep one. Keep going. Keep going. Okay, so it came at a time of year defined by abundant sunshine, relatively cool weather, meaning it's easier for renewable powers or power to abundant do the job. sunshine, that just sounds peppy, doesn't, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Abundant. So it's, it's able to do that. Well, sun's renewable, so you got to keep the peppy words with that, yep. It well, does go on to say that fossil can you tell fuels was an editor actually were doing part of the job. More than the ninety four point five figure might suggest. California was producing enough clean power to supply nearly ninety five percent of its state needs, but it was also burning a bunch of natural gas and exporting ele- electricity to its western neighbors. Okay. So this is from Elliot Manzer, president and CEO of California Independent System Operator who runs the main grid, he said it sent chills down his spine. What's that? That it, that it lasted for four seconds? He said it's a big deal. Was he He's, the guy that only lasted four seconds? He said these are types of transitions aren't always pretty, but we're getting a lot of renewable generation online, making a real dent in the state's carbon emissions. Huh? 
So no mention of the rolling blackouts. No, 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 no. Okay. No mention of the wildfires. Look in here. I don't think so. Because they tied those back to renewable too, because of the budget cuts they had to do, and they couldn't they couldn't trim the trees back. Right. Now I'm not talking about the wildfire where the people announced the sex of their baby and then oh, killed geez. a bunch of people. Yeah. God, I mean, people need to stop doing that. Do it the old fashioned way, like I did it. Wait till it comes out. Wait till the next week. Right. Right. Give yourself some time to decide. Right. <laughs> when you show up to the hospital, right? <laughs> what happened? No, I'm just kidding. Well, well for we, me, it was at the circumcision. We waited till uh, the baby came. And then the doctor said, it's a boy. I'm just not, I, I, you know, not to sidebar here completely, but why the hell is a cannon usually involved in a gender reveal party? What now? The, the cannons. These are, there, there's like explosions. Oh, I don't why are this. they doing this, man? My guess is Kim Kardashian did it. Jesus. If it's not Kim Kardashian, somebody who wants to be Kim Kardashian. So I found it interesting that while this was happening, that full four seconds. Secretary fun bags. That they were able to, at the same time, <laughs> export natural gas and electricity to other states. So who sponsored this article? Does it say? No, it's just from the LA Times. It doesn't say sponsored by... Nope, it's by Sammy Roth, Sunstar. staff writer. No. Sammy who, Hager? Sam, Sammy Hager Roth. <laughs> See, okay, here's what I like about this article. Total snark in the front. You know, if they had left that out, this actually would have been a decent article because it goes into detail as how natural gas works in junction with the renewables. Why'd you leave Sharon out of that? Gary Sharon was the last singer. Man, I know he I was am terrible. Just, I'm just hitting it. Was he really? He was, was, he was wasn't the, he from... Uh, it's extreme. More, more than, words. than words. Oh, God. Yeah, he was the last singer in Van Halen. They got a hit in Lethal Weapon 4. Wow. See, I, I feel really bad that I missed this. I checked out on Van Halen when David Lee Roth checked out on Van Halen. Okay. Honestly, I was not a Van Hagar fan at all. Oh, I liked Van Hagar. I couldn't. It was just ballad after ballad. Give me David Lee Roth's freaked out, coked up, jungle music weirdness. Well, okay, da- uh, Van In Roth. Panama. Da- David Lee Roth and Van Halen was just fun. And I sent you that jump yep. video the other day. It's and freaking I put, awesome. And I, te- I sent Sterling the jump video of Van Halen, and I put... This guy was on X. Oh, dude. He kept touching himself up and down. Have you mm-hmm. ever been around someone on X? Uh, just at clubs. Oh, my God. Touchy feeling. Okay, so I'll tell you Lack about of the X story. Let me tell okay. you about the X story. I, I'm at Buffalo Wild Wings <laughs> in my mid-20s. I mean, everything starts at a Buffalo Wild Wings. It's about the last time I was at a Buffalo Wild Wings, too. <laughs> oh, the food is horseshit. So... At a Buffalo Wild Wings, right, up in North Fargo, where mm-hmm. it's a, like the only bar in North Fargo at the time, across from the Dome. Oh, nice. right. Because back when the Dome was you know, right, that, much that was there. the center of power. The Fargo Dome. Anyway, so I'm at Buffalo Wild Wings, and in comes like Wilma, you know, Grandma, or, you know, that early 50s. Okay. Early Betsy. 50s. And when you're in your mid 20s, Late 40s, early 50s, that's grandma. Okay. <laughs> I'm experiencing it right now, and I'm in my mid-40s, okay? Right. Do you feel like grandpa? I went from DILF to GILF. <laughs> no, you just have to narrow it down to girls Get with out. daddy issues, man. <laughs> gone through all them. Okay. <laughs> You've gone through all them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Starbucks stopped hiring those foreign baristas. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Before <laughs> they knew any better. To hire more foreign uh, baristas. She's out of there, issues. man. She's out of there. <laughs> anyway, so <sighs> this woman that used to rent movies from me when I was at Video Land. Wow. All of a sudden, just sidles up next to you know me at this table of eight people. Mm-hmm. We're all in our mid twenties, except for Grandma next to me, right? Mm-hmm. She's just rubbing my arm. Oh, yeah. And then pretty soon, she's like rubbing my chest. Well, you're like a sweet treat for her, aren't I you? I look over and I go, what's up? <laughs> like, I don't know how to approach this. Yeah. You're like my mom's age, yeah, right? it's like boundaries, please, personal space. <laughs> and she just looks at me and she goes, I just dropped some X. <laughs> she goes, you just feel really good. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Who drops X and goes to a buffalo? Who drops X? But then who drops X and goes to a fuck- buffalo wild wings? This is that's that's mom America right there. <laughs> so Let's go to, party at the I, wild wings. I had to call her friends over, and there was like one drunk driver out of the four. The that's, other three were on X. So the sober drunk driver is the one taking them home. Well, they were responsible, right? So <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just drunk. I'm not high. What would that be if three people are at X and the, who's the sober one at that point? What are they called? Uh, <laughs> the one that's going to jail if the they get pulled over. Belt? Yeah, the chest. I mean, what is it at that point? A I mean, blocker? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, when your drunk friend is the responsible one in your group, you know you're having a good time. <laughs> no kidding, right? When the one who's on X is the designated driver, and the one who's drinking is in charge of the people on X, no, right? Nothing could possibly go wrong with that, man. That's actually my only experience on right? X was like a 48 to 52 year old woman who just kept rubbing my arms and my chest. Now, see that could have Buffalo Wild That could have been a good. That could have ended differently. It was during March Madness. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. Well, she and that's was, how busy she yeah, was. Yeah, she was all excited, right? Yeah, it's March Madness. It's Thursday. Buffalo Wild Wings. I'm gonna take some Thursday X. night too. Yeah, shit. Yeah, right. Right. Oh. God. Oh, okay. What else we got? For All right. The, uh, so to wrap what up, what news story is going to put me on the therapeutic couch? Oh next? man. Well, I have. We're going to wrap up our little tour of California here. That one actually saved me some money because that could have came back in a whole <laughs> different outlet and not been good. Yeah, so. I think they call that libel. Okay, check this out from California, from Torrance, California. The article headline is, We Walked Right Into a Nightmare. Family home overrun. I spent a week there one night. Holy smokes. Family home overrun. Never. Okay. Family home overrun by more than 800 birds. Okay, what now? After more than 800 birds invaded his family's home, a California man had to remove them all by hand, then steam clean his sofas and floors. Patrick Belleville and his family came home from dinner April 21st to find hundreds of birds had invaded their Torrance, California home. The birds were stuck to the ceiling, stuck to every wall. They were hanging onto pictures, every room, bathroom, bedroom. They're all full of birds. They were just going crazy. They were hitting me in the head. He says a friend called Animal Control told the family to open the doors and windows, but the birds refused to leave. So Belleville was forced to remove them by hand from his home. The rest of the family, including his girlfriend's two-year-old daughter, stayed at a hotel for the night. I counted 800. I stopped counting after 800. I was just grabbing them, throw them in a box, take them outside, shake them out, let them go, Belleville said. (laughs) So a couple of things. Number one... They must be fleeing the the wind turbines, right? Did he really count 800? And if he did, 
God bless him because I wouldn't have. I would have just said the same. I would have said like, ah, like 800 of them. He said even after he got it cleaned out for two days, random birds would be flying out of closets, under the refrigerator. Oh, my word. He said there was droppings How did they get in there? Okay. So here's the other question. How the hell? They don't say how they got in there. When he threw one out, did they just come circle around the back? back I'm here? guessing whatever window we left yeah. open. Did they just fly back in? <laughs> kind of like a boomerang? You throw them out the front door? They, you know, they, it's, it's telling that they don't mention that. I mean, I right. guess maybe the assumption is, is they went to dinner and just left the back door open or something That's like that. That's a lot yeah. of birds to come in if, yeah. if you leave every window and door in well, your house. You just wonder open. what drew them. That's why I think there must have been like a, a a wind turbine, solar powered wind turbine behind the house or something, you know? Some oh. sort of or maybe it's 5G network energies, man. So, the other question is is that I would probably just move. The animal the birds con- own the house. Right? The animal control officials say the birds, almost all of them were called chimney swifts had gotten inside the homes through unscreened chimneys. I didn't realize there was that many chimneys in California. Well, they're a pack bird, huh? They must be. Well, so it was one kind? Yeah, that's what it says. The majority of them were. I've seen starlings go in packs when they when they do that weird kind of the, yeah, you know, that you know what I mean? liquid when they, motion in the yeah, air. Yeah, really uh, you've cool. You've seen videos and, yeah. and from the news back in the 70s all the way to today. And they've, in England, they're very famous for... Um, Certain pastures where they do it annually. Yeah. And it's yeah, yeah. part of their migration or oh, something like that. Cool. I'm a Hitchcock cool. fan, so this would have scared the hell out of me because I would have assumed immediately that it was the birds. And I hate birds, honestly. You can't tell what they're going to do. I'm just thinking between the fleas and the poop. Oh, man. They had, the to, he had to steam clean oh, everything. That's what I'm saying. Why wouldn't you just burn the house down? Yeah, he said he had to toss out a lot of his kids' toys. Of course, California, they're, they're pretty well known for uh, what they do in Breaking Bad to make meth, where they cover the house in a tent, and then they fumigate, fumigate it. Well, for termites. Right. Very common for termites. Yeah. So maybe that's what they kind of had to do. I just can't picture this. Like, if I had to go and try to remove that many birds, I'm sure I'd be gentle with the first few because they're weird. After that, I'd just be crushing heads, man. What did the insurance company say? Nothing. In what fact, mean, nothing? nothing. The article is pretty... What, act of God? Yeah, right. Actually... Come on, newspaper. That, that is first, interesting. The first person you call is the insurance company to say, all right, how do you put a claim on this? And I'm guessing the first question from the insurance company is, uh, how did they get in? Right? Well, yeah, that's always... Can you claim burglary if you were like, yeah, my house got robbed? Well, how? Well, we left the garage open for the weekend. Oh, Well, in my opinion, sorry, in my opinion, if you leave your front door open with a sign that says, come steal from my house and somebody steals, you can still get charged for burglary. Sure. They're trespassing. You know what I mean? They didn't. Of course, then again, if you say, come steal from my house, that's different because you're inviting them. But you get my point. You could make the case, but it's still not consent. It's like when people say, well, you shouldn't leave your car unlocked. Actually, no, I should feel that I live in a society where if somebody leaves their car unlocked, they're not going to get stolen from. Quick Saudi story. Oh, yes, please. The guy I grew up with, his dad was my soccer coach. He was a great guy. And uh, he had this beat up car, drove around camp all the time. He would just leave it running. Get out, run into the post office, get out, go into the commissary, get out, you know, retires, moves back to the States, gets a new car. 
goes to like a seven eleven or something, gets out, leaves it running, it's gone. <laughs> really? But yeah, I think he was back for like a month or two. You know, and it was that that was like a real I mean it was unfortunate obviously. I, I don't mean to joke about it, but it was like one of those slaps in the face that a lot of my friends and our, and my parents had to deal with that reality of moving from where you could do that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I say kind of Norman Rockwell, you know, back to no, you gotta lock the doors. <laughs> Tell you what, back right around nine eleven time is when I used to travel um forty two weeks a year. Jeez. Okay, so for Two years, I traveled 42 weeks a year. And then for three years, I traveled 36 weeks. And then for another two, it was about 26 or 28 weeks. At least you were taking it easy then. (laughs) I mean, I traveled all over. Basically, half a year or more for seven years. There was, and this is no kidding. A lot of times what I would do is I, I had a friend that lived in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Oh, cool. So a lot of times when I go to the East Coast, mm-hmm. since we, I was a publisher, we did a lot of magazines in Pennsylvania. We did five. And then we did a couple in Michigan, mm-hmm. and we did some in Ohio, right? And so I would go, and I would train the newspapers in and spend a lot of time with the newspapers and all these different things. Cool. And so rather than come home for three days, because yeah. I was single. What's the point? I would just go stay with my buddy at Ann Arbor, mm-hmm. Okay. And then I would just go on the road. And so I would leave my home for three weeks at a time. Sure. Okay. Same thing. I'd go to Denver. And a lot of times is when I would go to the Denver is the changing kind of uh, air, air, airport. Mm-hmm. Instead of a three-hour layover, three-day layover. <laughs> and then I'd just go stay at my buddy's for three days right. in Denver. He'd pick me up, you know, and that sort of thing. And so, again, so I would. A lot of time that house is empty. Right. And one time, I left my door wide open. Oh, shh. So the only thing for three weeks between the outside world and all my stuff, all my computerized, big screen TV, Mm. the whole deal, because I was making good money then, okay? Yeah, a little treasure trove in there, man. Wish I'd found it. Was a screen door. (sighs) Serenity Now. (laughs) Was the cool breeze of any town USA in the screen door, man. man. That was the only thing holding back the burglars from my house. Did you did you realize before you got home or was it like walking up to the door going, when I why came, is my door open? When I came home, I realized just like that. I said, oh, oh did somebody break in? I went, yeah. oh, no, I did that. Shit. But I went, oh, I live in Fargo, North Dakota. No wonder. But today I could never do that. Yeah, no. Which is ironic because most people just assume you've got a camera mm-hmm. not only on your, on your doorbell, but probably your light in every other corner of your house too. Right? I do. I just well, assume everybody. Yeah, a couple of years that. ago, everybody it was fashionable to have those fake ones, but it's cheap enough that you have real ones everywhere now. I mean, I see them everywhere on homes. I would imagine. Oh, well, you work in the real estate business, mm-hmm. so I would imagine a lot of realtors give those as gifts now. Probably, I yeah. would. If yeah. I if I was selling real estate still, you could drop two hundred bucks at Walmart, get a GoPro. I mean, you can fifty bucks, 50 bucks you can for get some one. webcams, couple and, for the garage, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. Give them the entry yeah. entry yeah. feel safe model, you know, whatever. I assume be. when I'm doing my job that I am being filmed. <laughs> I would imagine if you're uh, doing that. Yeah, you're in people. Yeah, I'm in in people's homes. Yeah. What else we got in that story? Actually, that's pretty much the wrap up on that one, man. They didn't talk about the insurance, and I'm really curious about how they got in. Although they suggest that it was probably from the chimney to get in. And the homeowners just what? He said over the last after the last two days after he got him out, they just fly randomly. He said you just sit there. 
Everything's quiet, and all of a sudden, wings start flapping. <laughs> Said it cost him over $1,000 just to steam the sofas and the floors and thrown out a bunch of toys. Firefighters say a similar incident happened Sunday at a home in Montecito when about 1,000 birds invaded. So it must be this time of year. See, that's why I think it's the wind turbines. There's something else. There's some something driving them. I've never heard of these types of stories of birds and houses. Not I've to only, this I've, extent. I've heard of snakes. Yeah. I've heard of bugs. I've heard of rats. I've heard of a lot of different things, but not birds. No. Not birds like that to where they're they're, they're like, like hoarding together. Like I said, like those starlings. Yeah, like they're hiding out, you know? Yeah, and folks, the starlings, if you haven't seen it, go to any sort of uh, uh, school of fish and watch the way fish move underwater. That's what these starlings do. They yeah, just kind of... cool patterns. Like you mentioned, the liquid yeah, motion. Yeah, it's just That's liquid. exactly... That is the only thing that makes sense to me. And these chimney sweeps, I get it. But I think you're probably right. It has something to do with the wind turbines. Must, there's got to be something that is driving them. Either it's seasonal or it's it's weather or it's... Like I say, I'm not the tinfoil hat, but hey, we got a lot of stuff flying through the air right now. Could you imagine that post-traumatic stress you would have? Oh, because Jesus. <laughs> found three ticks on Frackleberry Hound over the weekend, and I got one off myself as it was climbing up to my hairline in the it's back the of my season. head. It's Pulled it off, right? It was, it was crawling down south. Same thing. You get a couple ants on you. You get a spider on you. You is, get a couple things. This is going to be the plague summer? You get the creepy crawlies, right? Yeah. For the next, what, yeah, couple you're hours? you constantly itchy. Yeah. You feel like something's on you. Yeah. Could you imagine with the birds? I, for the next, this guy said for days... All of a sudden, a bird will fly at him, and you think that, oh, it's the creepy collies. No, it's a real thing! I have a friend that is terrified of birds, literally terrified of birds. She would have, I'm ex- probably exploded and fainted at the same time walking into that house. <laughs> heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by Chewy Paws, all-natural elk, deer, moose, and caribou antler chews for dogs, USA-sourced premium quality and no preservatives. They love what we do in oil and gas, and all profits go to the dogs. That's Chewy Paws. Check out their website, ChewyPaws.com. That's ChewyPaws with a Z, dot com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. 
Trust, First International Mineral and Land Services, and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Time now to work hard on the Swan Energy phone lines. Hi, this is Brian Eklund from the Recklands. Outstanding. Thank you for joining us. Your Friday night interview. You are getting ready to play at an event tomorrow in Denver. I believe it's in Denver. It's in Colorado, but uh, we'll get some information on that for just a second. But first, I want to find out about your band. So let's talk about your band, what you guys have going on, and uh, how you guys came together. Yeah, sounds good. Um, we, uh, we've been together now for about four years. And we put out our first uh, album for this band um, last year. Uh, it was produced by Vince Herman uh, from Leftover Salmon. And we had a great time working with Vince on that. And uh, we were starting to get quite a bit of radio play on, uh, on some commercial uh, community and college stations here in Colorado. And uh, we're pretty busy, pretty, pretty bucked up for the summer, even though things are still just opening up. But... Uh, a lot of a lot of gigs on the books, and uh, we're excited for what the future brings. We're already working on our on our second album, and about halfway there as far as uh, content and uh, doing uh, bass level recordings to get those uh, those songs moving towards final production. And uh, just excited to be to be playing music again outdoor, outdoors for people. And um, yeah. I think I interviewed Leftover Salmon in my former life when I used to have uh, bands come on my night show, and that's why I'm kind of having some flashbacks right now on a Friday night as we're doing this interview here, as you're getting ready to um, play tomorrow for the uh, folks in Denver. But uh, Leftover Salmon, if they, how, t- talk to me about that band. Why do they stick out in my head a little bit here? I swear I've interviewed them. Have they, have they been around for about five, ten years? Oh, they're they're thirty years in. Oh, okay, um, yeah, that I have. Okay, yeah, they're uh, they're well. I guess they, they describe their music as polyethnic Cajun slam grass, um, but really they're just uh, they're an Americana band with a, a big bluegrass vein running through the middle of them. Um, they have drums and and keyboards in addition to uh, acoustic guitar and mandolin and fiddle and. They're uh, they're a really talented band, and and Vince is their front man, Vince Herman, and uh, yeah, Vince is a good guy, and he uh, decided to sign on and uh, help us produce this this past album called Moon Over Broadway, and uh, we're we're enjoying the uh, the new uh, attention from that, and looking forward to to making more albums, um, and uh, hopefully one within this next six months. What was that? Doing that. What was that first word you said of the type of music they play? 
polyethnic Cajun, Cajun slam grass. <laughs> That's what I remember. Slam grass. Yeah. yeah. Ask. Yeah, they're a fun bunch. You'll have to ask them if they've ever played in Fargo, because if they have, then I have interviewed them. But I, I just remembered that name, Leftover Salmon. I thought that was just a great name, especially for a bluegrass band. So anyway, but. Uh, so okay, that sounds that sounds great. By the way, we should mention the event is the uh, crawfish boil being put on by the Denver Petroleum Club. It's Saturday, May first. Sixty dollars for members. It's from three to eight p.m. City Park Pavilion. Each ticket includes three pounds of crawfish and fixins. Open bar. Event is family friendly. You guys are going to have a little bit of uh, bluegrass music. You guys aren't playing the whole time, are you? Did they get you booked for five hours? I think we're playing from three to seven thirty, I believe. Jeez. We'll probably play, probably play three fifty-minute sets with breaks in between, something like that. Man, that's going to be a party because bluegrass gets you moving. Yeah, we're going to have a good time with it tomorrow, and look forward to seeing everybody out in the park. How about this summer? You got anything booked up for the summer? Yeah, we've got a lot of gigs uh, around, mostly outdoor stuff at this point. We're looking to head back into the theaters uh, as soon as that becomes more viable. Um, but we've got our eye on that pulse and uh, really trying to get uh, trying to get our music out there and, and distribution as far as uh, getting it to radio station into people's hands where they, they play it on their radio shows and they were, we're making some ground in that. But, uh, yeah, we've been writing a lot and... Uh, and developing the new tunes, and that's been also something that's you don't always get a chance to do when you're you're playing three or four nights a week. So it's a uh, it's a good uh, it's a good change, I guess, in that regard. Or at least we're making lemonade out of lemons, and uh, for this uh, COVID COVID atmosphere that we've been going through. But yeah, we're uh, we're excited. If you guys want to check us out on our website, it's thereclunds.com. T H E W R E C K lunds.com and we've got merchandise there we've got a record there we've got vinyl copies and cds and t-shirts and hats and all that good stuff they make great gifts and they're fun to listen to so if you guys are into into bluegrass check us out how many piece band are you guys we're a five-piece band we have uh, upright bass eric drobney on upright bass uh, i play acoustic guitar i'm brian eckland um, Mark Swaim is on the mandolin. Oh, and Grant Miller is on the banjo, and Michael Martin is on the fiddle. Sometimes plays keys with our band. You guys play original covers, both? Uh, we do both. Uh, our, our previous album is all original, and uh, we focus a lot on on writing. Uh, but yet, we still play uh, standards in the bluegrass country and rock and roll realm as well so but you guys have an album with originals yes we do okay yeah, the Moon Over broadway album is all original music oh congratulations on that i mean anytime you can Thank you. put together a music and words that's two separate arts put together into one and then you got to figure out that third art known as marketing and distribution <laughs> good luck. yeah we're, we're getting we're getting our feet wet with that and uh enjoying that and uh i think uh there's some people that are looking to come on board and, and help us uh, take care of some of the stuff we don't have time to do if we're meant to be playing and recording. So, yeah. Well, how can people support what you guys are doing? I mean, certainly they're going to get out and support you guys at the uh, Crawfish Boil happening Saturday, May 1st, 3 to 8 p.m., City Park Pavilion. 
And it's uh, the Denver Petroleum Club putting it on. But uh, how can people support? Maybe if they want to book you for it. You guys play weddings, bar mitzvahs, all that different stuff. You know, I imagine everybody's. Uh, I talk to speakers. They say they're, you know, they'll go to a kid's birthday nowadays. Man, everybody's looking for a gig because there's just nothing's open. Yeah, absolutely. We're playing a lot more private events than we have in the past, um, which is fun. You know, I mean, a lot of them are outdoors, so people are pretty low-key. Um, and yeah, we're absolutely open to playing, playing anyone's, uh, outdoor event that they might want to do. Uh, barns are fine too. You know, anything where people can get their elbows out a little bit and have a little bit of space still, I think is probably where we're headed. We can get back into those packed out bars and, and theaters here soon, but I think it's, uh, just around the corner, really. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com. Jason Space. Thank you for joining the program today. You know, I, I come from an oil background. My family's been in the oil and gas industry for 60 years. I, I think the thing with the younger generation is the younger generation has pretty much bought into the climate change phenomenon. They really believe everything that people tell them. We just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us, and especially you, Jason. Without, without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. So I, I don't want to be real critical of them because being a guy who's, you know, dad has several small businesses and, and coming from that sort of small business background, I get it. I mean, the, the, the operators here were put in a real bad position by the state of North Dakota. I'm glad that we've got people like you to pay attention and bring us information on stuff like this. Prices can't go any lower for services. I, I, they're, they're too low right now. I, our margins are in the single percentage point if we're lucky, and we're not lucky that often. You're exactly right. ESG is becoming more and more important to shareholders. I can see for my 20 companies, they take it very serious. It makes perfect sense, and I thought you had a really good show last week. Jason, I love your inquisitive questions because you you ask important questions that that lead to the most important truths. Hey, this is Kevin Kramer representing proudly the state of North Dakota in the United States Senate. Talking to Jason Spies, who's like the best energy interviewer in the world. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. We all like living the crude life, so... <laughs> The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Tiffany Steiner and Jackie Jenkin, the co-founders of the Bakken Barbecue. This year, uh, well, I guess we should start back at last year. Um, we were so appreciative in the response that we received from people for sponsorships that we decided to spread the wealth a little bit more. Um, we were able to raise $75,000 for Make-A-Wish North Dakota, um, and we had some funds left over that we wanted to donate locally to charities in Dickinson. So what we did is, as a committee, we all voted on 
a couple different charities and chose from there. There's a lot in Dickinson that also needs help, you know, other than Make-A-Wish North Dakota. We donated to the backpack program so kids could have snacks and food on the weekends. And we also donated to um, the Women Empowering Women with uh, women in older age that need help with monthly bills and food and that kind of cost. So we're just fortunate enough that we have such great supporters that allow us to give back to other organizations. We also donated last year to a family in need that had lost a mother and there was five kids and this family you know it was awesome to give back to them because they would never step up for and ask for a donation but it was nice to be able to give back to them around Christmas time. And that was Tiffany Steiner and Jackie Jenkin, co-founders of the Bakken Barbecue. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. While you're there, be sure to check out our social media pages from YouTube, LinkedIn, even the Twitters. Check them out at thecrudelife.com. Click on the social media tab. I think we got a half a dozen Facebook pages all by itself. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, My name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker, Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. So there's still people without power as of this morning. You know, right now, I think there's very limited driving out there in West Texas. They're generating about 5% of the power today uh, in in Texas. Sensing a microphone because I just poured a glass of water because we don't have running water here yet. I mean, this this has been uh, a very trying week for a lot of people across the state of Texas. Uh, There are, and and let me just say this, I'm sorry that so many Texans were let down by their grid. On the phone talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We have roughly 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipe and pipelines in Texas and roughly another 500,000 miles 
of gas utilities uh, lines in Texas. So we have a lot of, and gathering lines are in that 470,000 miles as well. So we have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a six. It it is a very challenging day in Texas right now. Uh, The grid operator is projecting that nearly three million homes in Texas uh, are without power today. uh, And and there's- It's our snowing here in Lubbock again. I thought it was supposed to be sunny today. So I'm from Odessa, and that's a big part of my district, but I also represent, uh, in addition to Hector County, uh, three other counties in the Permian Basin. So Andrews County, Hector County, Ward County, and Winkler County, but uh, all, all in West Texas, all in the middle of the oil patch. You know, when they close the roads down, we can't transport that, that those, uh, those materials. And so we can't get the product to uh, where it needs to go to get refined so that we can either one, heat our homes or two, uh, have fuel for our vehicles. Um, with pipelines, that doesn't really come into effect. You know, once the pipelines are laid, not much can stop that that crude oil or uh, natural gas from getting from point A to point B. They are so far behind the curve on getting the storage, the battery storage, uh, in place to be even be able to handle a, 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 you know, the most minute degree of storage for a case like what happened in Texas. And now, it, you know, there's going to be a spotlight on that. And just an incredible impact. We saw nearly 30 gigawatts uh, come offline yesterday. Half of the lodge went without water since Saturday. On Friday, the Railroad Commission uh, took quick action. I know you recently had Chairman Craddock on. We'll have water for until 5 p.m. and then we'll be off again for the night. On Friday, I sent a letter asking the Public Utilities Commission of Texas to rescind its order authorizing uh, these uh, uh, generators, these generators or these providers to increase the rates. You know, I don't know that true, but I don't think I'd want to be in a hospital in Dallas, Texas on a on life support and know that wind energy is going to be my source of keeping that machine running, right? JP Warren reporting from uh, Houston, Texas at 9, 12 a.m. Uh, I don't even know what day it is right now. I think it's Wednesday. Uh, we ran out of water yesterday. I've had maybe three hours of sleep in three days. The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by It Takes an Industry to Build a Forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come.